Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. So happy to be back with you. Thank you for joining us, especially if you're a new listener. So Alexa Bowditch, also known as That Sex Chick, is someone I was nervous to have on my show and also like really, really looking forward to having on this show. So, you know, we've talked so much about how our freedom lives in the area of what we don't know that we don't know. And so much magic lives there. Miracles live there. And I believe that it also lives in the areas that we fear. For so many women, this whole topic of sex is the last stop for us on our personal growth journey for so many reasons. Many of you listening, you are like all about it. You cannot wait to dig into this episode. And and many of you are already feeling triggered. I bet there are people that didn't even click play on this episode because of the topic, and that's okay. Pay attention during this interview, during this conversation to your body. How are you feeling? Are there any feelings coming up that remind you of something? Are you feeling tense? Are you feeling constricted? Are you feeling judgment? Are you feeling fear? anger, sadness, excitement. I got to sit down with Alexa in Austin, Texas. This was a live in-person interview and she was as warm and lovely as I had heard she was. And it was such a gentle conversation. It was so confronting for me. It was interesting. And I cannot wait for you to hear this. So Let me tell you a little bit about that sex chick. Alexa Bowditch is a sex and relationship by design coach. So let me say that again. So relationship by design, right? Is your sex life by design? Most of us would say no, it's by default. But she coaches women into a life by design where their relationships and their sex is by design. She's a sex coach, business mentor on a mission to reform sex education and sexuality expression across the globe. Alexa is from the deep south of Louisiana, and if anyone knows how to break through taboos regarding sex, it's her. She's known as That Sex Chick across social media, and she's the founder of That Sex Group, a New York Times featured community with love, sex, and relationships as the central focus. Alexa also speaks and teaches internationally. So it's a big honor for us to have that sex chick on BU. Remember that if you and I avoid talking about or even listening to an expert talk about sex, sexuality, if it makes us so uncomfortable that we can hardly hear the information, that's an invitation to dig deeper. That's an invitation to really, really look at why, what stories, what trauma, what's living there, what judgment is there, what is keeping you and I from diving right in, from swimming freely. I know for me, and we talk about this on the show, I have a lot of sexual trauma in my past, a lot of religious programming, a lot of judgment of myself and of sex in general even of my own body. So many of us don't even know anything about our own bodies. And I'm just so grateful that people like Alexa have chosen to make this their profession. So please just allow yourself to be very open to receiving this information. You get to decide what you keep and what you don't. And I invite you to have fun with it. 
and learn about yourself as you're learning from her. So here we are with Alexa Bowditch, that sex chick. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. All right, everybody. So you heard uh, the introduction uh, where I went on and on about Lex Alexa Bowditch. Mm. And here I am sitting down with her in person. And I'm really excited about this because as I was just telling her, as you know, as listeners, we do mostly solo episodes. I've done some interviews, but doing in person is so much better and so different than doing it on Zoom. And uh, Alexa and I don't know each other, but she said yes right away. We have a mutual connection, Sky King, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for being here of today. Of course. Oh, I don't get to do this very often either, like to do an in-person connection like this. And hearing that you have mostly solo episodes and then I get to be one of the guests, I'm like, oh my God, I feel so special. Thank mm, you. I hope you do feel special. I'm really choosy, not because, I, I mean, for good reason that I just am protective of what I'm building. And you know, having a podcast, people come all the time and ask, can I be on your podcast? Can I be on your podcast? And so I've decided to just be very selective, but I do it just through how I feel. Yeah. Right. Obviously our mutual friend Sky is someone I trust. So he went on and on about you. So I immediately was interested. Right. But when I looked at your Instagram account and just listened to your voice, I immediately knew in my body, yes, this is a yes. And I'm glad I said yes, because the content and the platform scares me. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason I said yes. So our listeners, just so you know, one time in the past, very early on, we've been around one year, similar to your podcast. We've talked about intimacy and sex on two episodes with Ellie Montgomery and Amy Patuski. And everyone loved it. And I'm different a year later, yeah, yeah. you know, so I'm excited to get into more of the juicy conversation. But first, I would love to obviously have you introduce yourself. I know a little bit about you, but tell them who you are in this world. Who are you and what you do? But also personally, outside of that, who are you? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, thank you. And I told you as we got in to record that I was listening to your 50th birthday episode and I there was a moment when you spoke about all these different things in these different categories and then you like mentioned sex you're like the section that like people kind of like just leave on the back burner like gets left behind or like you also have to go there too in this grand journey of as if there's a really ending or a destination or anything but like to highest self and more express life and and yeah I'm super excited for this conversation too me as a business owner I'd say sex, love, and relationships is my jam. I've been doing this for about five years. 
I, a little bit of like my backstory, and I won't get too far into it because it's pretty colorful and pretty interesting. And so I'll just like tease a little. So if you want to know more about any of those subjects, then of course you can double click on them. But small town, Louisiana, grew up mostly Catholic-ish, had a lot of the influences. I say Catholic-ish, but it was as far as school was concerned, it was very rigid and very structured. But when I would go home, it was kind of like, just do the basics. We go to Sunday church and we kneel, sit, stand, sing. And and then we just go about our lives. And I grew up very small town as well, just outside New Orleans. And life was supposed to look like the quintessential American dream of sorts. Like I was going to have my high school sweetheart. We were going to go through college together. We were going to be in relationship and then do life, have the kids and have this dream. And and everything was structured and framed in a very particular way for me. And when it didn't work out and I had the high school boyfriend and we made it through the end of college and then our relationship fell apart, I completely and totally lost my sense of self. I didn't know who I was. I was supposed to be this future wife and mother and all of this. And, and I just, I didn't think it was going to happen. And it just didn't feel real or right anymore, but I didn't know what to replace it with. So I didn't have anything like, well, if this doesn't feel like I want it. What do I want? And so went on a, a bit of a journey of figuring it out. And I joined cruise ships. So I lived I as a crew. That. I lived as a crew member on luxury cruise ships for about six years and traveled to 79 different countries. I was an art director. So I went to school for science, forensic sciences, and then started studying art, not to create art, but to appreciate it and teach about it and um, sell it as well. And so all of that led me eventually to personal development. You know, that's kind of like the trajectory and then led me to personal development, which then led me to sexual development. And I realized that in personal development and trying to be the best version of myself for my team and my business and life and all of that, there was an area that I was... I realized that the personal development didn't necessarily translate into relationships, like intimate romantic relationships in some ways. It it certainly didn't show up in the same way in sex. And so I was very curious about that. And like, I couldn't understand why I would learn mindset and I would learn all these things about how to talk to myself and show up confidently and certain posturing and all these things. And, and then like a guy that I thought was attractive would come into the room and I'd immediately be 14 again and like didn't know what to do. And I got very curious about that and then decided to make that the focus of my work and, and, and just my, my focus of my life. Cause I didn't know it was going to be my work at the time. Mm-hmm. Started writing about it very publicly, which my Southern Louisiana mom was like, oh, shit. Um, I mean, she didn't say shit. She said, oh, no. <laughs> say it in a Southern accent. Oh, no. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> but yeah, it eventually escalated or, or continued to progress rather into me cultivating community around it and just being very curious and public and open. So that fast forward in the, the five years that I've been doing it, it was writing, led to community, led to coaching eventually led to programs and online products, and then having a team of people that work with me. Um, and our company's called Sex and Love Co. So it's my husband, myself, which is still weird to say, we're a month married. Mm, congratulations. So, thank you. So it's my, my husband and I, and then we have two other full-time team members. And then we have a bunch of coaches, counselors, therapists that work under our umbrella and coach with us as well. Mm. And so it's it's definitely a team effort to bring not just sex positivity into the world and education and knowledge, but realness 
because everything that we've built is based off of our own personal experiences in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. So yes, I can tell you a lot about sexuality and kinks and tantra and sexual health information, all of that. But a lot of the way that we frame our coaching and, and delivery of content is what have I actually done so that I can speak to it from my own perspective versus just like talking at you and teaching you things. So that's professional. I want to pause right there for a minute before you even go on, if you don't mind, because what you just said, it was bigger than I think you realize because you're used to it. You know, so there's so many things I could stop and go into. But the one thing I just want to acknowledge you for is that the last piece, when you said that you're coaching from what have we actually done? Thank you for that. Because I'm not a coach. People think I am, but I'm not. I'm a certified trauma-informed coach recently through Elementum Coaching Institute. I don't Uh know if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. And I think I've coached people through my former business and through like things I did, but but I was never certified. My point in saying that is that I'm new to this coaching world. I'm new to the online space. I'm seeing it for the first time really in the last few months. And I see, first of all, so much goodness, of course. And I see people who talk a lot, even about like money, but they've never built a business. They're going to be a business coach, but they've never built a business. And so when, when you say that it's what you've actually done, thank you for that. And, and I think people can feel that. That's probably now I understand why I was attracted to you because there are other people that teach what you teach. And I, I know that that's the last stop for me and I'm going to go there. But there was something about you and I realized now it was the authenticity. It was that, okay, you didn't even say it, but I could feel that you've actually done this work and you're not just talking at people and teaching and, you know, yeah. offering programs. Yeah, for so sure. Thank you for that. And thank you for for that reflection. I was just speaking with one of my clients earlier today that I have, you know, the the whole quintessential idea of like we build the business or we build the the brand or whatever is that is the the thing that we need the most and then eventually become some level of mastery and then it's the challenge of like do as I say not as I do but I want to do as I say and do as I do. Like I want to do both of those things and I want to make sure that I'm holding myself in integrity and that higher regard. And if I'm going to give some aspect of development to a client or a community member or somebody that I meet, then I want to make sure that I'm holding myself to that standard too. While also being considerate of like where I am in my growth and triggers and trauma and all those things too. Mm -hmm. And that I've created a, a business around me that is just like a mirrors everywhere because mm. I can't run from it. You know, I'm, I'm consistently up against like, oh, there, I'm doing that thing again. And also have grace. Like yeah. it doesn't, I don't just yeah. snap my fingers and my own personal stuff is gone. Like I have my own stuff. And that's something that I think is very interesting for, for like our team and I, like we work with therapists and counselors as well. And I chose not to go that route in my coaching, I chose to do other modalities. And I love having their perspectives and their professionalism and all of that too, because it's a unique flavor, but it's not what I wanted. I I wanted to be able to bring my personal experience because I really feel connection with people over that because I think that they sometimes see me as like, oh, she must have it all figured out. I'm like, oh, sis, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's talk about it. I can tell you about how I made my way through it the last time. Yours is going to look like a different flavor. But um, I'm so proud of you though, because Again, you know, it would be so much easier and you can make a lot of money and have all of the, you know, the followers and things that people seek, not really facing your own stuff and doing, as you said, 
do as I say, not as I do, because it's easy to do that. I, I know I've done that in my life many times. And back when I was coaching without being a coach, I certainly would tell people about like meditating, et cetera. I didn't fucking do it. You know, yeah. I would say it though. I would yeah. say, hey, just so you know, I have to be honest. I don't do this like I should. But it always felt inauthentic to me because even though I was telling them the truth, you know, like I'll recommend books that I've never read, yeah. right? So I would recommend things. And even though I would say, hey, by the way, to be honest, I I don't do this like I should. I just want you to know that I know that it's good. It still didn't feel good because yeah. I hadn't really done it myself. And I couldn't really, just like what I've learned about trauma, you can't hold anyone else's trauma if you have not worked through your own and processed your own. Right. But I also want to say that when you were just, you know, giving the information in the beginning about yourself, you said something really quickly and that you were curious about like why all the mindset work and why the personal development was not translating into your sex life and into your response to men. And have you thought about like, why did that happen for you? Because how many people never think that of that? They never lean into that. And it's okay, yeah. but it doesn't even phase them in their, in their 50s, 60s, or 70s. Yeah. Like, do you think it's because you were supposed to do this work? Possibly. Possibly. It all makes sense in hindsight, right? I look back and I'm like, oh, this was setting me up for this. And certainly I consider my my small town family that at first were like, what are you doing? This did just everything about this didn't make sense. And it was a subject that everyone was uncomfortable with. And here I am just like blazing a new trail. Like there's a lot in my family, a lot of things that were patterns and passed down generationally that the buck stops here, which I think really kind of sent a, sent a wave of sorts. And now I'm like a cool party trick, <laughs> you know, where it's like it's it's gotten cooler as the last few years have unfolded and the internet and all of that. And there's more people in my space. And I, I think that that definitely feels a little bit better for them. But the translating piece, yeah, I look back and I'm like, okay, well, obviously this set me up to do what I do now. Um, and I, And I think the question that you asked was more specifically like, how did I how did I realize that? And what did I do? Yeah, like first I wanted to know, why do you think you were someone who said, that's curious. I'm curious about that. Yeah. Why doesn't that translate? Because I never thought about that. And I was always yes. looking at myself. I was doing years of work and I never truly thought about why isn't this translating into the bedroom? Yes. Never thought about it. So I think I had a bit of a unique experience and some other people, and some people will resonate with this for sure. But when I was first diving into personal development stuff and first finding yoga, first finding meditation, first finding breath work, mindfulness. I read The Power of Now. I had my mind and ego literally blown to pieces, but then it all configured in its new way, which is a bit of a mindfuck, but fun, you know, the human experience. And so the the guy that I mentioned that like would walk in and be like, oh my God, I'm 14 again. I don't know what's up and down. And I why can't I harness like why, why are these words pouring out of my mouth? And why is my body doing this funny thing? And so I was really fortunate. That guy in particular introduced me to consensual non-monogamy and an ethical non-monogamy and introduced me to, hey, by the way, there are people out in the world that do love differently. And it wasn't that that was going to be a thing that I, I did try it on. I, I was very experimental I was curious about that. And so I was like, oh, what else can I learn about that? So you're telling me that people do this conscientiously and consciously, like they choose to have multiple partners or multiple relationships. And it just really blew my mind in a sense of like, people are doing what works for them, mm -hmm. what works for me. And so- And it's so, okay. And it's okay. And that just really, sh really shifted a lot for me. And I got 
upset for a little while at at the faith that I was raised in and all of that where it's like it needed to look like this particular box. And here I was not fitting in the box, but not knowing what my other options were. And so that just really helped me go, oh, there's there's more. I don't know what all of the more is, but I'm going to go figure it out. And um, so I, I, I got curious about that. The person that I started seeing right behind that, and I was in a fortunate position where I would leave these ships because these were on experiences on cruise ships. Oh, so I yeah. would leave and then go to a next ship and I wouldn't be with that person anymore. Oh my goodness. They all had this element of this is fleeting. And so going on to my next ship, and, and this is at some point, I could write this story and it would be a full-on erotic novel. It's actually my second most listened to episode of my show is my experience in, in BDSM. It's how BDSM changed my life. Tell everybody what it is, because just so you know, when you said that on your show, I was yeah. like, what is that? I didn't know what it was. Oh, absolutely. So um, BDSM, it's an acronym, bondage, dominance, discipline, sadism, submission, masochism. And a lot of times it's abbreviated DS, capital D forward slash little s, which is dominance and submission, because all of them are forms of role playing where someone is a leader and someone is a follower. Someone is the creator. Someone is the surrenderer into the creation of sorts. Someone is leading and someone's being taken on a journey. So because some people hear these this language and certainly I heard this language and I'm like demented, twisted fuckers like they are re-traumatizing yes. themselves. They are hurting themselves. Yes. Like, what is this? This is so twisted. But I also grew up with the background that I mentioned. So it was like, this is wrong or this is dirty or this is bad or I'm not supposed to. Like, what does it mean about me if I wind up liking something like that? I really hadn't even gone there yet. And what does it mean if I even am curious about it? Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean about me and about my mm-hmm. life and about mm-hmm. who I believed that I was and who I believed I am going to be or who I believed I was going to be in the future. So it's just very challenging for some people. But for for me, I wasn't even thinking anything of it. Not really until I experienced it. And I started seeing someone that introduced me to it. And everything from the energy coming from this person to the the energy, the command, the presence, the intention, the immediate safety when there are elements and tools that are inherently unsafe, just the way that the conversations and negotiation, the way that he was with me, I was really fortunate to be introduced to that way of um, expressing sexually in a safe and beautiful way. I still have a relationship with this person. We're in totally different places in our life. It adds an element to that like erotic novel. This was a captain of one of the ships. So he just like had all of the power. Basically at the time he was a staff captain. He's a captain. He's a captain now. But I mean, he's responsible for all these souls. He's got just this, this edge of, I know what I'm doing and I can hold space. And so it was just, beautiful. And I remember the first night I left his cabin and I was on my way to my own and I was like, what the fuck just happened yeah. to me? Like I I had so many mixed emotions. I didn't know my body could do some of the things that oh, it that's did. that's the episode you're talking yeah. about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to prepare everybody. So I said something in the intro about this, but those of you who are getting triggered, remember what triggers are. You know, so triggers are an invitation to look inward and it triggers, for me, I believe, are an invitation to show yourself love in those places. So as you're listening, if you get uncomfortable, that's okay. If you get triggered, I would lean into that. And just as Lex said, when she observed some of these different ways of being, 
she wasn't taking them on as in, I'm going to do this. She was just saying, oh, what if I just looked at it and looked at how other people live and said, good for them. So as you're listening to Lex, my advice would be right now to do that, to be open, not that we're putting this on you for you, but just listen to what she's saying to say, oh, wow, interesting, good for her and just see how it feels. And then any triggers, write them down and then you can lean into them you know, perhaps even through work with her. But anyway, I just wanted to stop that's and pause because I can feel myself yeah. getting a little uncomfortable for, and that's my codependency. I'm getting uncomfortable for them knowing I'm oh, actually yeah. okay with this, but they don't know I'm okay with this mm-hmm. because I haven't shared this, any of this on my show yet. And so anyway, sure. so I'm excited for us to move forward. I love that. And it's, it's super important. I mean, I do that for myself because I consistently checking in like, oh, I'm going to be curious about that later. Let me take note about that thing. But yeah, and and I speak about this experience in a very like warm place where my heart was just so the amount of pleasure that I was able to experience was I couldn't believe that I didn't know. Like I didn't know these things about myself and I didn't know that certain things would turn me on or I would just get lost in pleasure. I didn't know what altered state of consciousness meant. I mean, outside of meditation and maybe yoga or something like that. But I certainly didn't know that it was accessible in a sexual space. And I experienced like orgasm in in a unique way. And it just, I totally had my mind blown. And then I also was simultaneously experiencing shame, like, the positions that I had put myself in and like, was this smart and was this safe? And all of that was definitely coming up too. But all I knew is that my nervous system felt really good. All I knew is that I was really proud of myself and I felt really amazing and I was super turned on by myself that I was just going to take that Mm -hmm. for what it was. Knowing that this relationship that I was starting with this person, there was certainly love in a lot of ways because he opened me up to something new and unique. Mm -hmm. But there was also this will not go. I will not be with this person. Yeah. This is not my person. And and a fear in a sense that sex will never be the same for me again. Like I will never find a person that's going to be able to provide that kind of experience for me. And I left that and moved to a next ship because that's how that works. And or he went to a different ship at the at that time. And I was left with a new set of curiosities. Why did I not know? What is really deeper here? And then I I started to do research and read books that were about the dynamics of DS, which I've now come to use much softer language and more, and even at times more feminine language around it all, because a lot of the language that is, you know, set for this type of expression is um, kind of frigid or dark or dungeony, harsh, harsh, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And so um, it's like the language itself is spiky. Yeah, it's spiky, you know? Yeah, which is kind of nice on a soft part of the body, consensually. <laughs> spiky. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would have, and to, to look at how I educate people now and and the experiences, because I've, I've gone on a whole separate journey now and dating and then eventually getting together with my husband, who is the most vanilla creature I've ever met. He was. I've introduced him to a lot in the few years that we've been together. So that's a, a journey in and of itself. It's like, who am I in all of this? And what do I really want? And what am I okay with? And so that's a little taste. I also like to take some of these seemingly far away concepts for sex and bring them very normal, very grounded. And if someone's really curious, how can I help them see it in a way that they can 
leave the shame on the side and go, I'm just, I'm going to let myself be a human here and like see what happens. And I always have an opportunity to hit the exit button. You know, should I set this up effectively? I can always go, no thanks. And it shifts. So I don't remember where we really started, but that's where we landed. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so I'm I, here I am as you're talking and thinking to myself, if we had like five hours, I could yeah. ask all of these questions oh, that are yeah. coming up for me. Okay. So for every woman, we have women in almost a hundred countries listening. We can't, different cultures, different backgrounds. We can't speak to every woman here. Well, we can, but I'm saying what I'm going to say isn't going to land the same with every woman. But I do know that one thing we've talked about on BU, that again, we've just dipped our little pinky toe in, is that there are many of us listening who aren't even at a place where in our own marriage feel comfortable saying, um, either even saying, I don't really feel like it tonight. Is it right? Or that doesn't really feel good like that. Could you move to the left? I mean, there are still women there. No judgment, but they're still there. Then you've got women where I am, where I'm like, oh, I have no problem saying yes or no. I have no problem saying that doesn't feel good. <laughs> Probably not as kind as I should be sometimes. I'm so direct. And I know there are women listening right now that secretly they're hearing you and they're like, come to mama. But they're yeah. so afraid mm -hmm. to eat. And I'm kind of there too. So afraid to give themselves permission. And it reminds me of what you said when you said, I didn't even know my body could do this. Like, how did I not know that? And when you talked about that altered consciousness, I've never felt that. I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, I could probably describe it, you know, without ever experiencing it, but I don't know what that is either. There's so much juiciness there. Mm -hmm. and, and and we have listeners that are 25 to 35, which surprised me. I just found out that recently. And then a huge chunk that are like 40 to 55. Mm -hmm. And I believe that all of these women are somewhere in there. I mean, these are the people who learn from you, right? Yes. But what would you say to the woman listening right now who isn't feeling any judgment towards what you've said? She's not judging herself for being curious, but she is so far from understanding what you even mean by altered consciousness. And how could you start with her to get to the point where she could be invited into this? Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, and to being open and, uh, and accepting on some level to try some new things or experience herself in some new ways. Yeah. Possibly. And to even learn mm. that her body can feel differently and do different things, that it doesn't have to be about the partner. Yeah. I think the first thing that, that I'll just share from my personal experience, like, yes, I had the experiences that I had, and I'm kind of reiterating a, a point that I made a little while ago of, it's not all that easy for me, even though I've had these experiences. I know what I know and I can't unknow it, which can be a little bit of torture in and of itself at times, um, because there's that question of like, I know that this is available and I'm not act I'm not actively giving it to myself. And what does that mean about me? And where am I blocking myself from like ultimate expression or power, or all of that? And so I've certainly gone on my own journey, deciding to get into a relationship with someone that is by all accounts monogamous. And granted, we have an intention of getting to a place where we will play with others, but our container is very sacred. And it's not like we'll have relationships with other people necessarily, but should we get into sensual and up against a certain level of sexual energy with other people, we want to be able to navigate each other and navigate the dynamic in a way that 
is very open and free and all of that. And that also might bring up some stuff. Even me saying that oh, might bring yeah. up stuff for, yeah. for people. But really, we really want to get to a place where we can manage things like jealousy and we can transmute and alchemize things like envy or sadness or any of that and and be able to dance with it in a way that it evokes and makes space for pleasure as well, which is like a big thing to say. And it's not easy at all. Like I said it very poetically, but it's like, it's like <laughs> fucking crunchy. So yeah, I, I've gone through my own journey, like deciding to be with someone when I said BDSM was like, what is that? And I was like, oh no, do I really want to do this? And now I'm married to that man and he creates these beautiful scenes for us. And I can see him show up in this way that when we first got together, it was like, oh, you're asking me to learn a new language. You're asking me to do a thing. I'm very uncomfortable. What does this mean about me as a man? You're asking me to be dominant, but all I understand is aggression and all I understand is being domineering and my energy and my knowledge and what you're asking for, like all of this doesn't match. And so it was really crunchy at first for me to say, you know, something like if I were to be asked, like, would you like to be spanked? Like generally, no, I don't want to just like get a spanking, but it can be hot if the buildup and the lead up to receiving a spanking in a, a particular way. Or do you like a tool that could be used in sex, like a flogger or a pinwheel or something like that? And like, and don't even know what that is. So the pinwheel is like the little spiky thing that you can roll over your skin. It's usually used by doctors to determine nerve damage. Oh. It's like little spiky. Yeah, I used to be a yeah. nurse. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the word that's in my mind is Grafenberg, but that's what the G-spot's named after. It's a something wheel named after a person. Okay. But anyway, like, do you want any of these tools? And the tools and the toys inherently don't have a charge and are not necessarily sexy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But the energy and what is required in order to make them really hot, that describing that to my husband was challenging because he couldn't really wrap his head around it. It wasn't logic. Mm -hmm. So... Really, I, I illustrate this as like my own journey and like my own relationship. And we speak about this on on my podcast. It's like, hey, I'm a kinky little slut over here with this as vanilla previous frat boy, you know. And we and we make it work. And uh, but that doesn't come without like the challenges. And so for the people who are listening that are like, cool, there's a whole new world out there, and I don't even know where to begin. I think the first thing is. You're you're growing your awareness around the fact that there is more. Maybe even give yourself permission to get a little bit more knowledge because that definitely helped me. Once I felt like I understood some of the schematics of what I was experiencing, then I was like, oh, I could have a little bit more grace with myself and the, and the entirety of it, and like how I navigated in it. So the next piece that I want to share is like the words that are coming up for me are you are worth it in a sense. Like if you want to experience more, and you want to experience, like I said, altered state of consciousness, how you can get there naturally, breath work. And I heard you mention breath work. Like that's an example to do repetitive styles of breathing. And then whenever you hold your breath or you finish the breath work, you feel exalted, like your system feels it has experiencing something. Some people get to altered states with psychedelics or different substances and things like that. It isn't necessary to have those experiences. Just to take a substance, you can definitely get high on your own supply, which could be orgasm, sexual energy, breath, that kind of thing. So I think the first part is allowing yourself to be curious. You don't have to do anything at first. Taking stock of the life that you have had up to this point and having gratitude for getting to this place where you can be curious because there's so many people in the world that will not ever get there. They will have what they have and that's it. 
There'll be no questioning about it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of sometimes passing responsibilities. Oh, well, my husband's just not this way or I grew up in or that's just not the way that we do that. But you can change those things for sure. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you have found this with your students in your community, but one thing I was sharing with my husband is that I feel like for so many people, it's like anything that sounds too weird, kinky, whatever those words are. Yeah, not interested. But we're going to, quote, spice things up, and it ends up being all focused on how the woman looks. She's going to dress up in something sexy. She's going to act a certain way. And I found myself doing that. Early on, we've been married seven years, second marriage for both of us. And I found myself, I liked, you know, wearing outfits and things like that. But I realized that what I liked about it really was just that I was like showing off for him or that I can't explain. I know you know what I'm talking about, but that's as far as it went. And after a while, I was like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of, and he didn't do this to me, by the way. I volunteered this, but it's like I was on display and it was, look how great you look. Look how hot you look. But there was nothing else. And and I, I got to a point where I rebelled against that. I'm like, no, I'm not wearing any lingerie. I'm not wearing anything like that because there was something missing. And I realized, you know, what was missing was my own, confidence my own healing my own like even knowing what my desires were yeah I don't know if you find that but I feel like there are other people that that's as far as they can go because that's what society is telling them is experimenting oh you know put on some outfits and Mm -hmm. or get a toy yeah or get a toy get a toy that you don't really know what to do with or how to do it and and haven't processed what needs to be processed in order to even make the toy hot or like where do I even put it yeah you know what I mean so I totally understand and totally get that. And I remember being in that relationship that I mentioned from from through the end of college and it already coming up as a 21-year-old, 20, 21-year-old, you know, understanding like my body is the value. My body determines the worth here and and being very confused. Like there was a stretch of maybe not as frequent sex. And so I remember one time taking lingerie and going and changing in the Walmart bathroom on my way home and like getting there and he was in the kitchen and I like had this whole thing in my mind that I played out, but like he wasn't, he didn't know that I had enrolled him in all this whole Mm -hmm. thing in my mind. And then when he, in a sense, shut me down, he didn't know that I had all this stuff wrapped up in my head about my body and sex and our relationship and where we, and like feeling like kind of hopeless in it. And, and there I am in like 20 having this experience. And I remember myself going upstairs with the lingerie and the coat over it that I had on and crying on the side of the bed mm-hmm. and him coming in eventually, just not knowing what to do, what was going on or what any of the, the stuff that I just brought into the house with me. And um, and, I, and I didn't mention this, My even though I grew up with the way that I grew up in, in this kind of Catholicish environment, my mom was married five times. So that's like, wow. holy shit. So I saw men come and go. I saw even marriage doesn't really mean that much. They they leave. They're not, you know, and so I just, and I saw so many different things modeled and my grandparents together for 50 years and my sister together with her high school sweetheart. They're into like, tw- they've been married 20 something years now. And I just saw all of this contradictory stuff. And in my mind, I was like, just don't do it like your mom. Just don't do it like that. And then getting to a place of like, I'm in my 20s and I'm already very confused about this. Nobody told, told me that this was going to happen or come up. And and I certainly didn't feel comfortable asking about it because it's like, oh, you're supposed to ask about that after you're married. After you're married, yes. then you start asking yes. about it. It's like, oh, shit. Imagine like actually having some understanding of this before you say I do. But um, I totally, I totally get that. Like, even though you're at this stage and it's second marriage and all that, like, I feel like I was 
in similar positions at times, even in my 20s. So, you know, for the full range of listeners, like this goes across age and denomination and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ethnicity and all of that. So if you don't mind, I would love to ask you a question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about what you're curious about now. Mm-hmm. You know, like if that's not necessarily it, like the, the lingerie or this spicing it up, like the traditional, like what we get to know is like mm-hmm. spicing it mm-hmm. up, whether that's the spank me a little bit or pull my hair or choke me, which by the way is dangerous yeah, uh, or, or lingerie for her, you know, what then is the next yeah, level it's of curiosity of for me right now? Yeah. It's interesting because we've, we have a relationship coach. We've been working with Steph Safandos for a yeah, year. Very good friends with them. Yeah, Steph wonderful. So we worked with Steph for six months. And then when we renewed, I said, and I was proud of myself. It's similar to voicing your needs in the bedroom. I said, okay, I love you, Steph. And what if my husband works with you and I work with Christine and then we come together once a month? And he said, sure. So we've been doing that. And we're so wrapping good. up our second container doing that. And it's interesting because I came into this second six-month container with Christine saying, one reason I wanted to work with you is that I really want to finally get into that sexuality and sex. And I know it's like the last stop for me, but I had a ton of trauma in my past. And and she's like, sounds great. And I actually said spirituality and sexuality. And we never got there. And we're like at the end here because there's always so much, right? There and is. And kids. And so when you say, what is it for you that you're curious about? I remember Christine saying to me about a month ago something I never, ever thought of. And she said, Jill, what if sex was an opportunity to get closer to God? That that's the whole union, that whole sacred union, that that's what it's about. And I was like, what? Like, I've never even, it just blew my mind her saying that. Of course, then I quickly was like, oh, I get what you're saying. I would have never thought of that. I also learned to give you background on me which goes into my my answer to you. In coaching with Steph, I had never, even though I'd done tons of mindset work and tons of personal development courses, I knew nothing about somatic work. I knew nothing about breath work. I had never heard the term get back in your body. Right. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, Mm -hmm. Steph? When he said in your body, I said, can you help me understand? And he was like, oh, okay. He didn't know that I didn't know. Right. So my husband and I both have done all this personal development and both of us were so not in our bodies. Right. Both of us were so detached. Mm-hmm. So I realized that the second step now for me that I'm interested in is what will sex be like with my husband? Well, I'm seeing it right now, but what will it evolve into as we get more safe in our own bodies individually? Yeah. And so safe in our bodies and confident in our own bodies, right? So then we can connect in a way we never could before. Like Steph had us do an um, exercise when we very first started working with him. He said, I just want you to sit on the floor and look at each other. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. One, there was a lot of resentment, a lot of anger, a lot of judgment, but also I was just so detached. Yeah. Anyway, so for me, the answer is I'm ready to... Oh, also, let me digress a second. The other thing Christine said to me that I know will resonate with you that I'd never heard before was just maybe a month ago. I have an episode on my show. You, I know you just started listening. You haven't heard it yet where I got really uncomfortable intentionally and I went with a bunch of women about your age and danced under the full moon. You know, they were all half naked. Make I was it, fully yeah, clothed. Yeah, yeah. Doing this beautiful dancing and I did this unintentionally to just really push my edges, right? <laughs> and I, it's just broken me open. Like it has changed my life. And so I realized when I was talking to Christine, she said, Jill, 
What if right now what you focus on is just yourself, your own body? You know, I started reading Pussy, uh-huh, the a reclamation, reclamation, right? Yeah. Or a reclamation. And before the word was so charged, and I know many people listening right now, you're like, what did she just say? We talked about it many episodes ago. The word was so charged that that was so dirty and so just obscene and gross. Like who would say that word? And I just said it to you and it just rolled off my tongue. Mm-hmm. So I can see I'm growing. Yeah. But what I want next is going deeper into myself, just my own. I've never had a self-pleasure practice. It scares me. Scared me. doesn't scare me now. Um, the idea of me doing that which so with so much depth that then that's what I bring into this union with my husband. And then he's also doing the same. So that connection between the two of us, to me, what I desire is for our sex to be this spiritual union, this spiritual practice where we do explore like Tantra and things like that. I'm just like so excited about that. Yeah, Nothing wrong with like the outfits and the things like that. I just am not interested in that right now at all. Like there's nothing about like the kink stuff right now that really interests me. I think it also because it doesn't really scare me. Mm-hmm. That just really doesn't scare me at all. I really don't think it does. It's the other stuff that's quote unquote scary to me. Super vulnerable stuff. Yeah. The yeah. vulnerable stuff. Yeah. Being like being in your body. Yeah. And when the question is, what do you want? That can be so confronting for people. And thank you for sharing all that, by the way. Like you didn't just share that with me. You shared that with lots of ears mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. And that's really, I, I imagine so many people hear that and are like, yes, that's what I want. Depth and connection and ability to actually like, maybe even have some of the same kinds of, by the out, outside looking in, it's like the same situation or the same scenario or the same sex even is playing out, but you're just way more into it, present mm-hmm. in your body, e- experiencing more mm-hmm. versus considering all the things in life. Like, I think I heard you say, like, experiencing life from the neck up, mm-hmm. you know, like imagine you're experiencing your sex life and your sex and your partner and your intimacy from the neck up, you it know, is, like actually being in the body. Excuse me. Does this make sense to you, Lux? The other thing I'm trying to say too is not this this romantic lovemaking which we ha- we can do that where it's yeah, like I love you I love so you. much and that's beautiful. But I mean, like the the transcendental, that, yes, yes, deep, deep connection where like together. Yes, and I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm just it's just coming to me. It's like yeah. it's like we come together to individually and together self realize. Is that what it is? And well, sex and sexual energy and this orgasmic kind of energy as a means to self realize, but. Your relationship has a consciousness as well, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you individually and your partner as an individual, but then the collective of you, if you've ever like experienced in couples when it's not that they are, they're known together, like as a unit, but also known as individuals. I think at certain times in my life, like I meshed so much with my partner that we were just, we were communicated as like, we are a unit, but I lost myself in that process. Yeah. And they also were having to collapse in certain ways in order to to like be with me in this like kind of codependent and mm-hmm, mesh mm-hmm, experience. Mm-hmm. But then a different version of relationship is each individual sovereign, but then they also come together as a, as a unit. And that system has a consciousness and mm-hmm. has a self-esteem mm-hmm. and all of that. And so you can play with those things. This is like kind of high level. Like when I work with clients, 
the conversation that we're having is towards the end of our coaching. Mm. You know, granted, it really just depends because sometimes people will say like, I want to experience that. And then when we actually crack it open, they need to go be naked with a bunch of women howling under the moon first before mm-hmm. we ever get there. But what comes up when they go to that howl under the moon experience? Well, first, we might have a couple sessions where they re- refuse and resist. And then they actually go. And then we got to unpack all of that. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we, maybe we didn't actually get to that thing that you said that you presented that you wanted to dig into. Mm-hmm. But all of this work was required on the journey to get to that thing so Mm -hmm. just as an example of like what the journey could look like like yeah i really want that but you never know how you're actually going to get that and get there and there was something that you said about you know the not being so interested in the the kinks or not being so interested in like the dress up and all that and i think maybe at some point that they'll there's an opportunity for reclamation it'll just look very different i totally agree the whole intentionality about it will just be different and and also kink and tantra has a lot of mirroring like they they have a lot of the same thing present just one is just looked at as dark and one's looked at as light and will you explain what tantra is yeah tantra is it it means to weave it is presence and intentionality i'm speaking very basically it's not just in sex it's a way of life a tantric way of living which is being very deeply intentional and very present on a on a very basic mm-hmm. level and what could that look like in sex in sex so the practice that Steph mentioned for you to to do uh, is is something that is uh, for a lot of people that's like their entry point into Tantra presence being you can go into an altered state of consciousness, meaning you're not conscious, you're not thinking and your body is experiencing varying sensations like this can look different for different people. But if you're if you sit across from a person and you look left eye to left eye and you breathe in at the same time and you breathe out at the same time. Some people call this soul gazing. Our hearts start beating at the same beat. Our frequency sinks up and we enter a a certain type of bubble Mm. of sorts. And in that, you're fully seen. The longer you sit there, you are seen. That's why we didn't, that's why I didn't like it. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. He told us to do it every morning. And I we tried it one time. I'm like, nope, not doing it. It's very uncomfortable. The first time I did it, I immediately started crying. But I am an overachiever and did not want to break contact. So I didn't even blink. (laughs) The tears were just pouring out of my eyes (laughs) the first time I did that experience. So that is a a tantric exercise where if you could sit on the floor roots, your chakras are essentially connected in a sense of like you're uh, they're at the same level, like you're sitting on the floor and you're sitting with your chest up, palms open like you would in meditation, and you breathe in and you breathe out together. That is something like for, for a lot of couples that I wind up working with, we do it in our first session. And I'm like, if you won't do it for your homework, you're going to do it with me for two minutes, sit face to face. Cool. Now from this place, we can go lots of places from there. But until we did that, that moment of like, I fucking choose you. I choose you. I love you. You're my person. I'm going nowhere. You are worth me facing my inner demons so that we can have the relationship that both of us know that we want. And it's just, it's really super powerful. So that is um, an exercise. Want to take it up a notch? Before we take it up a notch, do you mind me interjecting? Yeah. As I interject. Um, So so (laughs) I would suggest for everyone listening, for you to try this you know, with your partner, whoever that is. And then I want Lex to tell you, she's the coach, not me, what you do when your stuff comes up. So when you're looking at that person, if you can't do it, what does that mean and what can they do with that? Well, it will come up. That's the point. 
That's the point. What's coming up, and of course, you deal with it in your own way and what serves you the best. But I put myself into those positions. Like when you're when you're considering self-realization of sorts, like it's breaking down. It is rip and repair until you get to a point of you're working on maybe wholeness in a sense. Like this isn't comfortable. I don't know who said like pleasure is void of pain or like you won't experience these other things and like and labeled them as this is a negative emotion and this is a positive emotion or anything like that. Every time Jordan says to me, come sit, we're gonna, we're gonna eye gaze. I resist every time at really? first because I've chosen him to see me and I have made a commitment to be fully open to him. And it's challenging at times and it's challenging all the time on some level. Okay. Sometimes it's really like mm-hmm. I like, oh, I'm squirming. Right past my squirming is tears. Right past my tears, my initial set of tears might be anger. Right past that is usually sadness. And then through that all is joy. So I don't get to just joy. You know, and that's for a lot of people. I consider myself a pretty deep person. And Jordan is when when people meet us, it's like, oh, you are exactly as I imagined you were online. Is like I'm a little dark and moody, but also very warm and open. And he is like a perpetual little boy in like Wonderland. He's like, I love life. I love people. I have limitless energy. And I'm like, I need some space. But we work for and some for some reason we work. We are each other's sacred mirrors you know i have i have access to something that he is challenged by the depth and the sadness Mm -hmm. and the the deeper darker emotion so to speak i told someone that my husband and i are like because i've always said being married to him is like being married to a cross between a golden retriever and a lab yes like he is that i mean he is always happy he's loyal he's and i'm a rottweiler (laughs) yeah yeah that's the two of us I yes. said that the first time I met Steph and he laughed. I said, that's really how we are. Yeah. How we are when we first wake up in the morning is how who we really are. Give me my space. Stop coming over here and kissing my cheek and telling me that you love me. Now, women yeah. listening, you're like, I would love that. Right. Well, maybe you're flip-flopped in your relationship, yes, right? But yes. it is going to be mirrors regardless. Yeah. And I have the same. I say that about Jordan, too. He's like, yeah. a, like a golden retriever. I've Aww, used that before. You have. And he calls me Maleficent. <laughs> I'm like, because I care, you know, like the story of Sleeping Beauty Maleficent, actually, it's because she cares so much and it's love. Yes. But she's like indifferent and a dictator and like this whatever. And and I I don't know. It's kind of, it kind of works, but. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So you want to take it up a notch and I. You can. Yeah. Just, there's just new elements, right? Tantra like is a perpetual thing that you can learn and parts of it are authentic relating and and asking deep questions and all of that. And then some of it is like totally leaving the words at the door and being, just simply being with your person or being with yourself, which is why a self-pleasure practice is, is so powerful for so many people. Some people would rather the discomfort of giving themselves pleasure and touching their bodies in that way is more uncomfortable than doing something vulnerable with their person because they have like a task at hand that they can figure out. But when it's them by themselves on the bed and nobody could be in the house, but the idea of just rubbing on their body or touching on their body is just like so uncomfortable that they can't even really get there. And it's great. So that's what's there for you. Mm -hmm. It's not like we don't shame it more. That just is. Mm-hmm. That is your reality. And fighting it is going to cause more stress and distress yes, in the body okay. because it is. Yeah. And there's a reason for right. that, right? That's me. I yeah. was just 
I secretly, you couldn't see me, but I pointed to Lex when she said that and said, that's me. And now I decided I should say it to you. So if that's you, you're not alone. That is a hundred percent me. Like, like the idea of that is so uncomfortable. And even like I I would attach negative words to it, not just uncomfortable. It's just like, I don't want to do that. But I understand that's my edge, right? Right. And some people can try to make, like, we like to give meaning. Like people, I say we generally there, like, like to give meaning to everything. Like, what does this mean about me? What is, what do I have to do with it? How about it just is Yeah. at times, sometimes like you can let it be what it, it is instead of like, now I need to process this and like figure out where it came from and what parent it's attached to. And am I going to do, you know, it, it's just, oh, this is here. I'm going to send loving grace to that. Mm-hmm. So whether you're by yourself and touching yourself is like frustrating and weird and then eventually your awareness around that leads to tears about the fact that you think it's frustrating and weird and what does this mean about my body and eventually then it's like i'm just gonna hold myself Mm. you know if 10 is bringing yourself to orgasm on the bed on a bed of roses all by yourself with your hands and some you know yoni elixir or whatever if that's 10 and you're at a one then what's a two or a three that might be just like laying with yourself with your hands wrapped around your body and like taking titrating it up if you're learning somatics then it's like titrate to that place and then like then maybe take a step back and then what if then the question I have uh, is like what if like that as a requirement in order for you to have that thing that you desire with your person because how deeply you can surrender into that experience with yourself is I don't want to say it's a requirement necessarily but it certainly won't hurt you know that ability to like trust and surrender like you've got you into pleasure with yourself you then model it for yourself and how you can bring it with your partner because dare I say it might be performative otherwise. Yeah, I'm totally just agree. doing moving my body and doing this thing, which is better than like not doing the thing maybe at times. Yeah. Depends on the scenario. But with your partner, right? It might be like, oh, I'm just gonna move my body in this way. I'm gonna do this dance and this thing, but it it's for you, it's for this other person versus for me. Like, so how deeply can you really surrender mm-hmm. in that? And I would say what I've done, I know a lot of people can relate to this, is based on what you just said, it's I'm going to move my body this way and do these things because I'm doing this for you and I'm doing it to avoid the fact that I cannot be with myself. Yeah. I cannot really be fully in my body. I'm I'm uncomfortable. I'm avoiding it. And, yeah. and I've done that, you know, so much. And I, But I've masked it behind... I'm just being here for you. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. So just to like, I guess, answer the like kicking it up a notch would be that eye gazing exercise, but you're sitting cross-legged around him. Mm-hmm. Chest to chest, no, almost nose to nose. It's called mm-hmm. yab yum mm-hmm. position and breathing in and out like that, where each chakra is literally on some level touching. It's very close. And I say chakra, I'm just talking about the different energy points in your body, not going super woo. I'd say I, I'm a nice, healthy dose of like, I'm, I live on earth. I'm definitely an earth creature, but my head is for sure in the clouds at times. We're like, I like human. I'm happy as a human, you know? <laughs> so just that, that was just like the end of the kicking mm-hmm. it up a notch, so mm-hmm. to speak. And then, and then you can shift that into a more sexual context or not. So there are few, and this is going to be just like a, I know there are no dumb questions, but this would be like a question for dummies coming from dummies. I really don't know this answer. I've never looked into any of this and many people listening, I think would be afraid to ask this. But so when I hear of like Tantra during sex, I'm assuming it's breathing and eye gazing while you're having sex. Sure. Like the fundamentals, breath, sound, movement. Mm -hmm. 
if you just want to keep again on on basic level. And that's another thing that you'll get with me is I know a decent amount about a lot of different subjects when it comes to sex and sexuality, sexual health, all of that. If you are like, I want to be a tantric master, I'm not your girl, but I can get you the basics where you like, I want to go into this. And I'm like, here's my mentor that I learned some of this from. I'm not going into mastery in this subject. So I I love mm-hmm. referring. I'm like, here you go over here. Yeah. Here you go over here. Yeah. Um, and I'm the same with the DS component too. So breath sound movement. So that eye gazing that you did, continue, continue with it. It is so incredibly vulnerable for so many people to stare at someone in the eyes or to be stared at. Um, from that place of love. And so if you if you stare, you will go to other places. If you continue the gaze, you will go other places. What you're visually seeing around you will start to morph and shift. It will blur. It will come back into focus. Um, for a lot of people, I won't say that as if it's a blanket statement, but um, you'll start to merge. Your systems will feel very merged together. And as you continue breathing in and breathing out and on your out breath, make sound. You know, and especially in sex, like for me, learning masturbation or self-pleasure, I'd prefer the the word self-pleasure because the word masturbate literally means to waste time defiling. Uh, really? So, yes. So oh language ma- makes, lang- you cast a spell with your words. And yes. so for, for us, we've changed a lot of the terms that we use. We also don't say virginity. We say sexual debut. Like So we shift I some of it. the perspectives around it in the language too. But in the experience with your your person, like it, it things shift and morph around you and you can Mm -hmm. go to places with them. So like for me, learning that to touch myself, I learned at a very young age. It was only when I got to that place in school that I learned that it was bad and wrong and shameful. And then I felt like a backlog of shame towards the thing that I was doing that I didn't even have a sexual connection with it. I just knew that it felt good. And that's the private parts, you know? Yes. Um, But it was do this thing very quickly. Do it in secret. Don't make a sound. Yes. So I think about the times like so many people go to to experience self-pleasure and they bear down. Mm-hmm. Don't make my energy big because I don't want anyone to know that I'm doing this naughty yes. thing. And then they hold their breath. Yes. And, and even if they're alone, yes, they don't want themselves to know. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, let's just get this done. Yeah. Or I just got to break it off. And really quick, awesome, like fast food sex, maintenance sex, and also maintenance self-pleasure. It's like, I just have so much energy. I got to get it out. That's cool at times. And there's a separate category. It's not one or the other. It's an in addition to. is like being slow and deliberate and intentional and intentionally making sound on the way out. Mm-hmm. Intentionally letting the sound that comes up to the, the surface of the throat actually exit the mouth. Because I think some people might feel like they're going to make a sound, but then they swallow it down mm. and they put it back in the body. So people feel very localized sensation during sex. They feel very localized just in the genitalia, really. That's where the pleasure is and the sensation is. And it's like, a quick explosion of the sensation and then mm-hmm. a quick, you know, landing back down. And we're saying one of the reasons is because we're not letting... Yeah, letting it the, move through. Oh my goodness. So bringing it back to like, you want to have this experience with your partner, you're going to train your system. So like if we were working together, I would help you train your system to be able to hold that much pleasure and to be able to go to those places, which is you can titrate up to that to where it's like, okay, I'm going to get to this part and then I'm going to let it land back down. You can essentially do that over time or you can do that. You know, you can make a lot of progress in one session with yourself, getting to a place like getting to a certain edge edging, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and then coming back down and then edging and coming back down. So, and my partner does this with men too. Like, how do you, how are you able to hold this much pleasure and presence Mm -hmm. instead of being so focused on your dick? 
because there's so much sensation there that men sometimes I think they they almost feel like they check out because they they if you ever look at your partner and you're like where are you like they're so like they're just like focusing on not coming mm-hmm. so like how can you also how can he also experience that and hold that space so that you can continue playing and going to these different planes and mm-hmm. you know having that connection to God where it's like oh through you and through our sex I see God like whoa the Catholic in me is like you lie blasphemy you know mm-hmm. um now to to loop this back around to kink and ds a lot of what i just described shows up exactly like that except the tools are different so in tantra or, or that kind of sex you it's you and your partner and it's it breaths down movement but for kink or for ds it's also breath sound movement and sometimes there's other tools amazing i have had one of the most incredible experiences getting spanked at a party. Like, I would have never thought. I saddled up and I, I actually hosted an event in, in Austin and I've introduced a lot of these concepts to my friends. I'm I'm that sex chick yeah. uh, in my friend group. And I also wanted to like meet them where they actually were mm-hmm. and like very slow build into... Mm-hmm helping my friends like explore more in their relationships. So I, I held this event over two days with a dominatrix here and I brought the people and then I kind of curated what the information was going to be. And she's also a tantric practitioner and is also a licensed therapist. So I was like, I like, I yes. like the best. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I, I love the best. And that feels very safe. Safe. Like you can hold me in any of my things. Yeah. And, and also trauma-informed and all of that. And so it cultivated this experience and it culminated in a play party, which a play party, they can all look different, but there's different rooms. There's white, pink, and red. Red sexual activity is available. Like people are having sex like in that space and it could look very different and to different parties. And then the pink is soft and sensual. Like it's softer. Like you might be getting spanked and all of that, but there's no sex. Mm-hmm. You might see some genitalia but there's no sex sexual stimulation and then white is cuddle connect then they're ideally in a party they'd be different spaces so that you wouldn't the white room wouldn't see what's happening in the red room so like you know you, you can titrate nervous system here and i was in the the pink section technically and i went and i was like you know what i'm just going to do it i'm going to see what happens and i got a spanking and a flogging which I'd never done any of this before in this context, and the dominatrix and Jordan. So the dominatrix, her name is Kimmy, and if anybody wants to find her on Instagram, she's amazing. So Kimmy had one butt cheek and Jordan had the other butt cheek, and she was teaching him techniques and how to do it. And so how it went down was I was being pet, my head, my hair as I laid there. It's like very vulnerable. My God, my ass is out. People are watching. There's like so much to process. And she just created a little bubble around us. Breathe in, breathe out, pet my hair, rubbed my back, asked me questions like consent, boundaries, that kind of thing. Okay, on a scale of one to 10, where are we we hoping to aim? Because we're not trying to hurt each other. We're um, participating. It's called play for a reason. We're showing up, hopefully with a childlike innocence, of curiosity, even though we're doing this very adult thing and, and asking like, our, my goal is to get you around a six, seven so that you feel your nervous system is playing, you're playing, it's exciting, it's anticipatory. Because what happens in long-term relationship, it's, it's usually missing the, 
the edge, the liveliness, mm-hmm. the spark, right? Mm-hmm. The adrenaline. Mm-hmm. It's safe. Mm-hmm. What's the, it's the antithesis. And it's predictable. Of, Everything's predictable. Yes, too. it's the antithesis of you know safety and monotony is like risk and I don't want to say necessarily excitement, but like that was so slow, and then it started so soft and methodical. And then it was little pats. And then it was like a sting every now and then to like keep me on my toes. And what does that do for neurochemicals? And it's a very science base is it's, it's got my system moving mm-hmm. and consistently checking in. By the time I, her and Jordan were going in tandem on each butt cheek. And I, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I can't believe this is, I was laughing. Jordan, sounds came out of my mouth that Jordan was like, I've never heard you do that. And I was laughing and I was giggling and I was squealing. And when I got off of that table, everybody clapped first off at the whole experience because it was very sweet. And I got off the table and he was like, how do you feel? I was like, so good. Really? It was as if I'd meditated for hours. I'd meditated perfectly because nothing can come in my mind if I'm, if I'm so present on when the next little whack is going to happen. Yeah. So that in a sense of you've helped me take my head out of it mm-hmm. by having to be so focused on the sensations that are being delivered to my body. Pain doesn't inherently turn me on at all. I'm not turned on by that the thought of pain, but I am turned on by the creation of a scene where I'm being deeply cared for. Mm-hmm. Someone cares enough to create a scenario where I'm going to get to be fully surrendered out of my head and in my body. Holy shit. That's, I love that. It just so happens that it comes with a paddle. <laughs> Who knew? At a party with people watching. Right. So I also like host events that are uh, BDSM, tantric BDSM or BDSM meets tantra. So that people who like have this idea that tantra is supposed to look this way or DS is supposed to look the way. I'm like, hey, y'all are speaking the same language with maybe just a different accent. Oh my gosh. This is so fascinating. Yeah. I'm super triggered, but I get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was yeah. when you said play party, I was like, oh God. Is she really going to go there? There were people there. Are people having sex with each other? Like, no. This is, but this is, yeah. But this is, well, maybe. this is how we feel, though. It's like that stuff comes up. But then yeah. I'm, I'm letting myself just sit and listen, and I think it's awesome. I think it's great. Really, the smorgasbord, sex, people relating in this way is huge. Like I said, play party and triggered and all of those things. So yeah, and and a lot of my friends were too. Like the people that went to the thing also had their own stuff to deal with. But I wanted to create an environment that was really safe and very well communicated, so that they could see it was okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show them it's okay. Like you, you can continue to be even more curious if you made it to the other side of this event. Like how confident do you feel? Were, like yes. Was there anyone after that event who was willing to admit to you? that they were worried about people seeing which room they were going in. So I could, I could see people saying, oh yeah, I'm going to be in the white one because that's what, that's the not just safe for me, but that looks better. I really want to go in the red one, but I'm not really going to do that because I'm worried what people think. Were there any people who experienced that and admitted that to you? Because I could totally see me doing that. Well, I mean, for us, we we built it over the course of two days. And so the communication that was being required and also the somatic aspects of it because we did some exercises that were not so much talking and were a little bit more body and reading body language and that kind of thing by the end of it they were admitting everything they were like I was afraid of this or I was so nervous about this experience and I come to the other side and I'm like there's nothing to be afraid of and the confidence that that gives to someone in their body for them to know like I can say no there's mm-hmm. so many people that have a hard time. They consider it and they, it's because maybe they don't trust their no, their ability to say, mm-hmm. I don't want this mm-hmm. thing and stop this thing. Yeah, because they don't even say no in a restaurant. Exactly. Or with their partner. 
Yeah. That they're married to, yes. they have children with. I know so many people. I know so right? many people it's who are this still there. fear of abandonment, of that they will abandon themselves or that they won't speak up and agree to something or roll over and agree to something that their partner might do. And then what does that mean? And there's the point of no return. When in reality, if you go to one of these kinds of experiences with someone who's like really deeply intentional with the curation of it, what you're going to find for a lot of people, maybe not all, is that this is way less charged and way less triggering than I anticipated. And this is actually cool yeah. and fun. And it, and it, it's not a requirement that I participate. Yes. There's no requirement of, like, there's enough exhibitionists in a group. Like, all you need is one or two. And you've got a party. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if that's uncomfortable, you just go, go to the kitchen and have snacks. Yeah. You know? I mean, there are women, and I know you know this, but I've talked about this on my show, that there are still women who are my age who won't send food back in a restaurant, who will get their hair done and hate it and go, thank you, and walk out. And that's okay. Yeah. But that, but if you can't use your voice in those circumstances, how can you expect yourself to be able to use your voice in your relationship? Yeah, you know? that is, I'm conscientious of when I use the word requirement, but those things are requirements in order for you to really go on your sexual development journey. So people come to me and they're like, I'm bored. I'm like, great, buckle up. Because what's required in order for you to get the sex life that you are shaming someone you your partner both of you into like believing that you could be but you don't because of whatever reasons like yeah people aren't special that's very predictable in a sense which mm -hmm. is cool because you can make a process and help people and it's like a leads to b leads to c it's like yeah this is what you're saying that you want and what it's going to take in order to get there is a lot of connection to yourself in ways mm -hmm. that maybe consciously or logically you don't even know that you're not present for it's like really being present with each time the, oh, yeah, but I can't. Oh, thank you. And then that feeling after. But there's like a level of self-awareness that that like for my community members and like people that I work with, that we have to cultivate. And as soon as we get that first level of self-awareness, it's like, oh, shit, I'm looking at everything in a, in a different way. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just sex, but like how a person relates to their sexuality and shows up in sex that I have discovered over many years, that does translate everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Everywhere sure. else doesn't necessarily translate into that, but that yes. definitely translates out. I'm sure it does. I've even found with my podcast that I will talk about things or because I don't prepare before my solo episodes. I don't. I just sit there and I do a few things that help me get into where I need to be and words just come out. And afterwards, I've had some like emotional you know, or vulnerability hangovers, you know, I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I just said that. Who's going to hear that? And it's so interesting because like the moon dancing episode, I mean, where I am on my journey, I think a lot of people who listen are probably in the same place. So it was probably very weird for a lot of them. It was weird for me that I did it. But you know, what's so funny. And I know you won't be surprised by this. The times where I really went over what I would call the line or the edge on this podcast are the episodes when people reached out to me, even friends of mine said, that was really good. Mm -hmm. And so then that need for confirmation, like the things that Lex is talking about on this podcast, I would be okay exploring them if I knew that a lot of people in my circle and a lot of people I respect secretly have the same desires, right? It's like we need the permission that, that it's the consensus, you know, that everybody yeah. feels this way. Mm -hmm. And so as you were talking a minute ago, I was just, I was very present listening, but I was also coming to me was, I bet you there are still people that, I mean, just I'm processing the whole play party thing you just said. I'm, after I've heard it, I'm like, it's so funny 
I think what's still attached to me about that is what would people think and would other people be curious about that? And I'd almost feel better if they were. And I realize that's still growth that needs to happen. You know, and yeah. me, it's all yeah. connected, you know? I'm pretty, I talk about so many things. I mean, whether it's from personal experience, which I've used a lot of personal experience in our show, which I, I if I've got it, I want to go there. Otherwise, I'm communicating based off of things that I've heard from our community or from previous clients or current clients or something like that. And I have yet to meet people that when I start speaking about all these like different experiences, people have a thing come up and it's either, I mean, it could be a handful of things, but it's like judgment and no. And like, I don't know where the direction of the judgment, it could be internally like judging for themselves based on the thing or like, what does that mean about me? Projection, that, or it's just like, what? Say that again? People do that? And I remember when I had that epiphany of like, people do this? And I was like, oh, I can do whatever I want. I mean, with certain parameters and boundaries, of course. But what I love to really communicate and share with people is they explore a lot of times whenever they're working with me or they're working with our our company. And it's not like a, once you start doing some of these things that you might want to explore with, like, is that your life? Are you not the same? And in some ways, fundamentally, you are not. You've got more tools in your tool belt, but people explore and then they take what serves them and they leave the rest. Yeah. But how do you know what you really truly want and desire? And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to a play party in order to find out, but come into a meditation where you consider what that would feel like. And that's maybe step one. Yeah. Or two. And maybe if it's like still there, that it's a, no, it's just not my thing. Then no, it's it's really not your thing. And for you to have a connection to that's not my thing now, maybe ever is also powerful. So just knowing the, what do I really want to consider here? And am I open to exploring? And how open am I to exploring? Like the level of communication and, and self-understanding that is required in order to go on a self, you know, sexual development journey is way beyond what I originally thought that it was going to be. It's like, you need to know what you want. What if I don't know? What do I do? It's like such a challenging, like I don't even know what I want for dinner. Mm -hmm. And the next step for them might just be, okay, I'm going to have the courage to go follow her on Instagram and start listening to the podcast episodes because no one knows I'm listening, right? That could be super courageous for people, you know, which is what I'm going to do. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's so, I was talking yesterday to someone about parenthood and we have five kids, 23 to 17. And I said, you know, I've really found, I know it's very cliche to say this, but the truth is the best gift I can give to my children, the best gift you can give if you ever have children to them, you know, is your own healing, your own growth. And, And I know we know that, but I know it, know it, like I'm living it, right? And I realize, you know, all of you listening Many of you are not mothers, but those of you who are, I truly believe as the mother of three girls, 20, 21, and 23, that a gift to them is for me to go on this journey because I have not, I never even talked about sex with my kids. They were so confused and had no idea what to do, had no idea what they were allowed to ask. And I, again, no regrets. Part of me hates that I did that, but I didn't know any better, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't wait, Lex, to get to the point where I feel so free and liberated in that area that I can have open conversations with my girls. I mean, we talk a little bit, but I'm still very uncomfortable. And I'm excited for them to find people like you because that's, that's you know, the, you know, 20 to 
23, that group, that age group, in my opinion, female, I mean, I just can't even imagine what my life would have been like if I had found someone like you and learned from you at that age. So thank you for what you're doing and for people my age and older, but then these young women makes me just emotional thinking about, you know, little Julia who just turned 20. She's never had a boyfriend. She's, you know, there's some trauma in her background. She's afraid of relationship. I, I know she's lost her virginity, but she's not sexually active at all. Sexual debut. Yeah. Yes. Sexual debut. Um, <laughs> it was not a good experience. Yeah. And I know that she's, anyway, that's not a part of her life that sure, she's, sure. anyway, and I, I think about, you know, how amazing her life and her future if she decides to get married one day, relationship will be if she's able to explore this. So I'm I'm really happy that Sky connected us and I found you. And there's no coincidence that it happened in a time where I'm looking for this, right? Yeah. I'm you know? here. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that. And and I have my my own family members too, that I I do the work that I do. And and it's fortunate and unfortunate at the same time because I know how much I could help them, but it's just not accessible. For, for me and the position that I have and, and growing up the way that I, I grew up and the, you know, the role that they have in my life. And I just hope that every now and then they hear a little something or they experience a little something and that plants a seed that they then go, that they're inspired on some level to go and water and, and see and, and see what happens. And for, for people, yes, I'm super confident in this area now because I study it. I consistently study it. And there's this idea, um, and I'm going to paraphrase a Dan Savage quote here that is we grow up and then I think that eventually we'll have sex when in reality we grow up, sex has us. Mm. It, sex has you over and over and over again. It's just, it never, never goes away. It is present in almost everything that we do. It, it's what our bodies are built for on so many levels and we are a divine design this deserves to be revered and respected. And for a lot of people, that's not the way that you learned about it in your formidable first seven to then 14 years and, and beyond. And so it's, you get to do the work and take responsibility for it, which is so beautiful to see. Like you've lived the life that you have lived and you are now at a place where you are taking responsibility for these aspects. And that's so fucking admirable. And you don't just go, I want to be the sexually liberated, liberated creature that's like having sex and visiting astral planes and meeting God and getting flogged or whatever it is, going to play parties. It's like the first piece is the realization of it. It's like, this is going to shift for me. I'm going to change this. And that is, it's a necessary step and is equally as revered and respected from my eyes as like the whatever millionth step on the mm -hmm, journey where mm -hmm. it, it looks very different, but like this is a requirement for it too. And you can be confident on many levels, confident, competent. I think some people think that I act and am a certain way because I've had so many experiences. And in a lot of ways, that is the truth. But I decided on the journey and that shifted everything for me. I decided early on, this is going to be something that I'm going to be very considerate about and intentional with. And I'm going to allow myself to explore and let what comes up, comes up along the way. And I'll deal with it as I go instead of preventing my journey for fear of what might come up. Because I think for some people, they anticipate it's going to, but mm -hmm. then it's actually not that bad. Mm -hmm. um, but this level of like peace and confidence can come before having all these crazy outlandish experiences. Mm -hmm. So I just want to to point that out. You you can start the journey and feel safe and and 
present with like, I'm going to, I'm doing this. Like, I don't have a, like a super fast timeline and I don't have to go to a play party next week, Yeah, but I'm, I'm here with it. Or ever. Or ever. Mm-hmm. Please don't go ever if it, it's not the time. Definitely don't go, oh, she mentioned a play party. I think we should look up one next weekend and you haven't, you know, just the idea of like touching yourself in private is just like, no, let, like do what's right and best and true for you in this moment. And maybe some of that, that stuff that I mentioned, you'll never get there. And that's fucking awesome too. Mm-hmm. Mm, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So now they're curious. So how can they find you? That sex chick. Just that sex chick. Where, well, tell us really quick where the name come from. So when I was branding and Jordan and I were together and we knew we were going in the direction of getting married and all that, I knew my last name was going to change. And, and this is like a little bit of a longer version, but Martinez, Alexa Martinez is a very common name. And so I never got my first choice of pretty much anything. So I really, if I would have been Bowditch before I did my rebrand, then it would have just been Alexa Bowditch because I get my first choice for the first time in my life at anything because it's a very uncommon last name. But at that time, I was like, well, my name is so common. I'm going to use my tag, like my tagline as like the overarching brand of sorts. And I was going through this exercise and this braining exercise. And I was like, what do, and the question of like, what do people know you as? And I did all this back work and I had all these words and I was trying to phrase it all. And I looked straight up at my friend who's a branding expert. And I was like, people simply, like they simply know me as that sex chick. Anytime I walk into a room, I get introduced. Someone knows me and they're like, hey, do you know Alexa? She's that sex chick. Oh my gosh. And I am frequently referred to as that. And so I just... Like, as I said it, I went, that's, that's what it's it. going to be. That's I'm going to do that. And I'm going to make it easy for everyone. Yeah, um, it is So easy. people now phrase it like, oh, yeah, she's that sex chick on in- Instagram. And like, it just flows. So that was like the how it came to be. And I had no idea that it would take on a whole like life of its own, so to speak. People really get tickled by it. So I love it. I'm going to keep it. And tell them also about your podcast. Yeah, that sex chick podcast. Yeah. So... Sex, love, relationships, we go into a lot of, like I was mentioning before, personal experiences. So as, as an example, Kimmy Inch, who was the dominatrix that I hosted mm-hmm. that experience with, two weeks after, the week after, we had her come over to, the, to our house and we set up a podcast set up in our kitchen. Myself, Jordan, Kimmy, and our operations manager, Bren, who was there. So all my team members. Isn't that kind of crazy that my team members that I have a professional relationship with we go to sex things together. That just still (laughs) gets me, especially after leaving corporate where it's like, you can't like the first thing that I had to watch on every ship that I went on was like, here's safety, fire hazards and sexual harassment every time. And so the fact that like, this is now okay is just (laughs) blows my mind. So, and that's something in our, in our weekly check-ins that it's like, how's your sex life? Like, it's just like, so a part of our ethos and what we Mm -hmm. do is like, we want to make talking about sex wherever you're at in your sex life. We want to make it as easy as it is to to talk about the weather. Mm -hmm. So the show, like bringing it back to Kimmy Inch, we sat down at the kitchen table and unpacked every piece of the journey of that weekend Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. our listeners could experience it. Mm -hmm. And then we also said like, if you were ever curious, take these things and apply them in your curiosity. Yeah. Look for these things. So we're we're trying to like walk the talk and showcase that on the show for sure. And of course I I get on and I do solos every now and then and I I go into like helping people take responsibility for their sex life instead of just like letting it constantly happen to them. 
you know. And and as far as coaching, yeah. if someone's hearing this and they're saying, okay, I'd rather learn from her than just listen to a podcast. I'm not, I, I would feel safer hiring her than going and figuring this out on my own. Sure. Do you do group coaching, just one-on-one coaching? How does that work? We do a little bit of everything. So my my team and I have pretty much all of the ranges that you, if you are looking at an introductory thing or an introductory level, definitely look at the podcast and look up, you know, just roulette it, do a, a scroll and pick one and just see where it takes you. But I mean, we have like DIY stuff. That's like sacred sexuality, like the basics of sacred sexuality. We have cock and pussy worship, which those are two words that might have made you feel things, <laughs> hopefully in your nether region in a nice way. But like we have like worship, which is like the blowjob class, but for more intention and more depth into it. And then we have relationship board meeting as like little DIY things that you can do. And relationship board meetings are like weekly check-ins so that you and your person can like follow a little guide. How are we doing? How's our sex life? What are your commitments this week? How's the weather? Where am I out of my cycle? Or, you know, if you have any cycle. And so that's like a a conversation. Yeah. Like, where are we at? And how Mm -hmm. are we doing? So we have those kinds of things. And then from there, we offer one-on-one and couples or more, if you're in a relationship with more than one person, coaching. And that's not necessarily with me. That's our our group of sorts. Jordan and I run a program for couples called Couples Goals. Mm. And I bring the sex and the education there. And he brings a lot of the embodiment. So he studied um, tantric energetics, which is bioenergetic breathwork and tantra. And then I, with my background in kink and life lived in the kink space and relationships and sex and my studies there together, we have a really cool program Mm -hmm. of just, it's every, so like, the eye gazing. Yeah. So there's a, another exercise that involves touch and like consent. And, mm-hmm. and, and each one of them starts with a moment of eye gazing with like a couple minutes of eye gazing. And so like we create this container of people on Zoom of like, it's like their date night. Mm-hmm. They get to spend with us. And so we bring those things and we like do a little teaching and more exercises and their homework. And it, mm-hmm. it's super cool. Oh, I love um, it. Outside of that, like private coaching with me, I don't do it all that much anymore. I'd rather be in the in the programs. I do take a handful. Um, typically, my women that I work with, if I'm working specifically with women, are super high achievers. They have a hard time accessing feminine. That's me, alpha woman right here. You know, I, I would often describe myself as alpha woman in life, but such a submissive little kitten in the bedroom but getting to the submissive kitten space sometimes can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. I also really love when people are looking for a second, I want to, I'll phrase it a second lease on love life where it's like they've done the relationship. It didn't serve them. They decided to leave. But now what do I do? Oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. Or like, I just want to make up for sex. I feel like I didn't get to have. I'm your girl. Mm. Um, so I take a handful of a certain type of person. And then we coach people who want to be sex coaches. That's a big part of what oh, we do. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's we give great. education to other coaches. So let's say someone goes through, like we actually, actually, no, that was couples goals. We had someone who did Elementum, mm-hmm. who who brought her partner into into our couples goals. But I've had people who are life coaches or nutrition and health and different types. They come work with us to get the sex education piece. And how do I incorporate sex into my coaching? So we do, we run programs that help people infuse sex education and also trauma and somatics Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. into their work as coaches Mm -hmm. or completely make a shift Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. sex, love and relationship coaching. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for being with us. And um, I'm excited to 
hear the response from people and for everyone listening, if you loved this or if you were triggered by it or both, let Alexa know. Yeah. Is that okay? Message message her and let her know what you thought of the episode and obviously share it with people and reach back out. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. 